The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about um, Prince's death and does his family have a wrongful death suit? Will they um, be able to sue for wrongful death and against whom? <laughs> uh, I'm putting my expert witness forensic psychiatry hat on for today's show. And my guest is Jill Cohn. She is a founding partner of Cohn & Cohn. Uh, before that, she was an assistant DA. And she has been a freelance reporter for the television show America's Most Wanted. She, she particularly handles personal injury and medical malpractice, so this is exactly her area of expertise. She was named one of Washington's top lawyers in the Washingtonian magazine. She's a graduate of the University of Miami School of Law. She was graduated cum laude. And she is admitted to the bar in three states, Columbia, District of Columbia, Maryland, and New York. So if you're, if you're having problems in any of those states, give her a call. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. I appreciate that. I appreciate that law firm plug, too. Who knew that was coming? <laughs> uh, very nice. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, now, um, Prince died, actually, um, on April 21st. And why are we still talking about him in June? Because, because more and more information is, has been coming out. And um, in particular, information about the cause of death, which um, was from, well, so far has been ruled, an accidental overdose of fentanyl, which is an opioid um, pain reliever. And there's questions about where he got these medications and why he was taking the medications. Was he a drug addict? Was he, um, was it just for pain? Uh, and he just, you know, went too far. Um, did he, did he know what he was doing? Was it suicide? All these interesting questions. And particularly, (laughs) although, Jill, you wouldn't think with all his millions that the family, other than, you know, to, to get justice, you wouldn't think that they would necessarily be going after um, doctors for, for wrongful death. But if they're entitled to that, which I think they may well be, um, why not? Even if they donate right. the money to some charity. Right. So right. What, well, what, what are some of your thoughts about this? Well, Dr. Carroll, you're 100% correct. Um, toxicology reports from the medical examiner's office did find out that Prince did die from an accidental opioid overdose from the drug fentanyl. 
what's interesting, and, and we're still talking about him for several reasons. One, we're still talking about him because he's Prince and his legacy is, is so long and so deep. And I think we'll be talking about Prince a long, long time after this, primarily because of who he was as an artist, but also because of what friends and family knew about his lifestyle. He was not considered an abuser of alcohol or drugs. He was a vegan. He lived very cleanly. He was religious. You know, he, he really wasn't one of these, as eccentric as he was, he was a clean liver. So this is very surprising to hear. But the toxicology report does not lie. I mean, he died of an accidental opioid overdose, so he was taking drugs. So the question is, why was he taking the drugs? How was he getting the drugs? Was a doctor prescribing them? So that is... That's kind of what we look at as lawyers, and that is where the wrongful death case would come from. It would be a medical malpractice case. For example, if a doctor was treating him and was prescribing fentanyl and was not monitoring his intake of it or monitoring his bodily response to it and was departing from what we call the standard of care, acting negligently as a doctor, then the family would be entitled to file a wrongful death claim. Yeah, and that's so... Cool. Um, yeah. So what is um, interesting here is that we don't know anything. Unlike Michael Jackson, 2009, not so dissimilar. Unlike Michael Jackson, we knew about Michael's drug use. He had one doctor, Dr. Conrad Murray, who was prescribing, who was watching, who was monitoring, who was ultimately convicted of involuntary manslaughter, um, the criminal case. And so that was a, a very direct relationship. Here, almost two months later... We really don't know how Prince got his drugs. Was there even a doctor involved? If there's not a doctor involved, there's not a medical malpractice case. If there's not a hospital or a doctor or a caregiver involved, there's not a medical malpractice case. Um, you really can't sue a drug cartel for you know, providing illegal drugs to, to anyone. So there would not be a case if there is no connection between the person prescribing the drugs and how Prince was getting them. Yes, well, fortunately for uh, for for our discussion, in any case, um, there are uh, a number of doctors who have yeah. had who have been named as having something to do with him. Although, you know, it's still yeah. been rather mysterious um, as far as what their role was. I mean, why, let's talk mm-hmm. about some of them. Dr. Yeah, Michael Todd. I know you're probably referring. Yes, I know exactly to what you're referring. Dr. Um, Michael Todd Schulenberg. Uh, he was a doctor in in um, Minnesota. Um, he supposedly had, according to at least one report, um, he had two doctor visits with him a week before he yes. was take Prince was taken unconscious off a plane in an emergency stop, um, right. and then. And then April 20th, the day before he died. Um, right, right. And what's so interesting is, you know, one of the reports I heard on the radio uh, was that it was that he, this Dr. Schulenberg, used to work at North Memorial Medical Center while he yes. was treating Prince, and then suddenly he disappeared from there. Yes, and yes. It, it's not been clear whether he was fired, whether he resigned, whether he, you know, went to Mexico. What do you know yes. about Dr. Schulenberg? Well, I would say, um, Dr. Carroll, I, I share your concern about why this is all so quiet. It is all very, very quiet. We're hearing nothing about the hospital where that plane, the, the plane stopped and he went to a hospital. We're hearing nothing yes. about that. There's no reports. Where are those reports? Yes. So Dr. Schulenberg, 
very quiet. You're right. He's no longer associated with this hospital, but the hospital hasn't come out and made any sort of statement about his departure. So everything is very quiet. What we do know is that there is a criminal investigation going on. So maybe that is the mandate of some of the authorities that are saying no one is to talk about this until Mm -hmm. we get some sort of resolution. And Mm -hmm. right now we know that the investigation is underway and it's very, very private. So you are, you are correct about that. As, as an attorney, my antenna goes up to both the hospital and to anyone who's touched Prince you know, in the past couple of years. Well, one of the things I want to make sure that I mention, because I, I have had so much experience with this and I feel so strongly about it, is that when Prince was uh, on a plane um, going from a, uh, Atlanta where he had canceled a concert, postponed a concert, yes. to mm-hmm. going back home to Minnesota, and then they made this stop, this emergency stop in Illinois at a hospital. And, you know, of course, they said he had the flu. That's what everyone right. <laughs> supposedly has yes. when they have drug overdoses. Yes. But right. um, but he left this hospital um, against medical advice, AMA. Now, what is so yes. tragic is that people tend to do this for various reasons, um, you know, certainly if you know, uh, the most common reason, if it's if someone who's abusing drugs, even it's, if it's because, like I think Prince was, um, not because he was a drug addict per se, but because he had all this pain and just yes. didn't realize, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't working. The amounts he used to take uh, just weren't working anymore. But when people leave a hospital, AMA, for whatever reason, that is such, nobody should do that. That is such a dangerous <laughs> thing to do because doctors, especially these days, when people or when, when hospitals keep trying to kick you out sooner than you should leave, um, if, if they're saying that you should stay, you should stay. Yeah, and, and I don't disagree with that from a, a kind of a caregiver standpoint, but we are also dealing with someone who is not a regular person, not like you and I walking through the streets who's just you're getting care. Prince is notoriously private. Prince has the funds to have access to the top doctors privately to fly to him, which we know ultimately did happen. We know that one of the people who found him was the son of a, uh, of a well-known California doctor who deals with opiate addiction. And so he may have been searching for so much privacy that he felt it was in his best interest or his handlers felt it was his best interest to get back home and let's see who we can get to help you really quickly because they did get on it quickly, just unfortunately not quick enough. Well, yeah, and that's actually, I mean, if I, if I were Prince's family, if I had to point a finger and, and sue for wrongful death, um, I would point it to this California doctor. I mean, I, hmm. that is what I think is the most egregious um, uh, you know the most. I mean, uh, of course, this, the doctor we were just talking about. Obviously, I mean, you know, he he should have taken even the fact that he only saw him um, he saw him weeks apart. You know, instead of being much more on top of his case, um, is is not good medicine. But certainly, right. to me, the one who is most to blame is Dr. Howard Kornfeld, who was called the day before and sent couldn't <laughs> couldn't cancel whatever he had the next day or that day, and sent his son, who Andrew, who was a medical student, to right. go to Prince and to convince Prince to then come to California and enroll in the senior Dr. Kornfeld's uh, program for, for drug right. addiction and pain. Right. Well, right. you know, poor Andrew. I mean, I feel sorry for him. 
his career may well be over before it began. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely when you're the person that finds Prince, I can't see that helping the career move forward. <laughs> well, especially when he was carrying buprenorphine, which right. um, yeah. it, it helps uh, opioid addicts deal with withdrawal, but it's there's this big yeah. question. I don't know how much you looked into this or know about Minnesota law, but um, apparently you're not really supposed to be carrying that uh, across state lines. <laughs> yeah, I would venture to guess, and, I will, and I'm glad you put that qualifier in. I'm not Minnesota barred, but I would venture to guess that carrying something like this in any state when you are not a physician and nor is it prescribed to you um, mm. is probably not something we all want to be engaged in. So that is definitely a question. Uh, that is, is, there are a lot of little facts to this case just in the very immediate future leading up to his death that are just, just really interesting and would really raise eyebrows and need to be delved into. So, yes, absolutely. So definitely. Well, right now we need to delve into a break <laughs> so we can come back with more delving into Prince. My guest Great. is attorney Jill Cohn. We are talking today about Prince. Um, will his family sue for wrongful death? And if so, whom? So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and we'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Attorney Jill Cohn. She's a Washington, D.C. attorney. She's also admitted to the bar in Maryland and New York. We're talking about Prince, um, can his family, will his family sue for wrongful death, and who will they sue? Now, during the break, um, Jill was saying that she, <laughs> I, I chose Dr. Howard Kornfeld, the California uh, doctor, as the one that I would aim at if I were his fa- prince's family, but um, uh, Ms. Cohn <laughs> was saying that she wouldn't pick him. She doesn't think that he's the most to blame. I guess 
I guess what bothers me about him is that, I mean, supposedly there is a story that he contacted or his son contacted um, a local doctor in Minnesota, and the plan was that the son was supposed to bring this medication to a local doctor who would then see Prince on the day when they then found him dead. They, the son, Andrew Kornfeld, took a red eye, landed in Minnesota, only to find that Prince was already dead. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess what bothers me is that you know, doctors are supposed to, we don't know yet what the family or whoever it was that called Dr. Kornfeld, we don't know how much of an emergency he said it was, but um, if he couldn't come himself, um, and of course now he's kicking himself, I'm sure, for why didn't he get on yeah. the plane as soon as he got that call, but um, if he couldn't do it himself, then he should have called 911 as soon as he got the call instead of sending his son on, on the red eye. No, I definitely appreciate what you're saying, Dr. Carolyn. I see that. But as a lawyer, what I would wait to do is I wouldn't jump to anything at this point. I would keep every door open. I'd keep the Illinois hospital door open. I'd keep the local Minnesota doctors open. I'd keep um, any doctors he may or may not have seen in Atlanta. We don't know. Did he see anyone in Atlanta? We don't know mm -hmm. that yet. Mm -hmm. Does anyone on that plane with him, we do not know. And and I would keep the door open for Dr. Kornfeld, but he did not treat him. And so his actions, what were his, what was his requirement? From California, call 911. Who was surrounding yeah. Prince? What kind of um, gag order, if you will, were given to people surrounding him? And you know, this is an, an intensely private person, and we are dealing with a celebrity. We are not dealing with a regular person who is just kind of living life and maybe gets surrounded by different types of people and is protected differently. I wouldn't close the door on anyone, and any good lawyer would just keep every door open, let this investigation go, and see what else is uncovered. You know, it is interesting that you pointed out April 21. Where are we now, June 7th? Uh, that's a long time to still really not know what is going on. Right, right. There is no. a lot more to this story that we need to know before we yeah. can determine who, in fact, is responsible or who we think might be responsible for any aspect of this. Yes, well, I agree. I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean to say that, that um, we should limit it to Dr. Kornfeld. I think there are, right. that there are several medical um, players. players who... who who have a responsibility in this. But, and, you know, what happens is, yes, of course Prince was a big celebrity, and that's one of the problems that celebrities have, which is that they get so-called special treatment by doctors mm -hmm. who are flattered yeah. that this celebrity is coming to them, and they don't really get the kind of treatment they need. Right, right. Or they think that they can. It's interesting, and you, and you noted this, Cortell's son is a kid. You know, he's not just his son, he's a kid, he's not a doctor. And I am I would be surprised and interested to know who did Prince think he was getting? Mm. Did did Prince think he was just getting this courier of medicine to bring to a local doctor? Who was orchestrating this? And That's who a in very fact good was question. that local doctor? That's a very good question because if Prince knew that this big addiction doctor was, you know, too busy to see him and was sending his medical student's son, did that sort of push him over the edge? You know, did he feel rejected, disappointed, and so on? Yeah, we wouldn't know. And, and who was making the contact? Did Dr. Kornfeld speak with Prince? Did he speak with a handler? Did he speak with a family member? 
Let me speak with was any was, was there communication during the six hour or five hour flight from LA mm-hmm. to Minnesota? Mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. Was, what was going on then? How dire was the situation? Right. So I, I think you know it's going to come down to hours here. What was going on? And that's a long time to be up in the air if it was really emergency. Which you know, putting someone on a red eye with some drugs when you're not a doctor seems like you're treating it like an emergency. Right, and and also, you know, also it seems like rather than calling 911 or calling another doctor in Minnesota to deal with Prince right away, it also seems like a way to make sure that Prince ultimately comes to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That this is a way mm-hmm. to get Prince mm-hmm. to come to your California clinic rather than, than sharing him <laughs> with somebody yeah. in Minnesota. Right. And he is a renowned doctor, and, and you know, we, we have to give credit where credit is due. O, you know, opioid addiction is now almost epidemic in the United States. So we, there is a need for these kinds of facilities. And, and, and Dr. Kornfeld is known for, for treating this and for da- dealing with it. So Prince's handlers or whoever was reaching out to the right person. Mm-hmm. And, and I think as a doctor, we, as any professional, we appreciate the ability to control our own situation. I certainly wouldn't want another lawyer representing my client talking in one ear while I'm talking in the other. So I can, I can respect Dr. Kornfeld's position of not, if in fact that is his position, of not wanting to have kind of a co-treatment plan. But certainly in the hours until he gets to the location, to the rehab facility, there, there had to be some sort of medical intervention. And, and what was that? Right, right. I mean, there I should have been. But... Yes, there should have been. That's right. You know, I mean, I, you know what's going to happen. Um, it, they're all going to end up pointing fingers at each other in order to avoid any kind of either criminal or civil liability. Mm. Yeah, it's not going to be. This is not an easy one. This is going to be complex. And, and you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's just actually really sad. It's, it's it really is really sad. sad. He didn't have um, to die. And you know what else is sad? He had these, um, he, he had hip problems. He had problems from dancing all these years in high heels, jumping from things on stage, doing all yeah. kinds of, um, you know, dramatic dance movements and so on. And um, what's sad is that by being a Jehovah's Witness, um, he didn't want to have a blood, um, what do they call that, a, bl- a blood surgery where there would be like a blood transfusion or anything like that. Right. And so, I mean, his problems, his pain, oh, like a spinning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. His, yeah. his pain yeah. could have been resolved or, or at least lessened um, with some medical procedures that he hadn't wanted to have. And instead, yeah. because of his religion, he, you know, started using more and more of these um, painkillers as a way to try to still go on um, without surgery. And then there's a certain stigma to being addicted to something also. Mm-hmm. And he may have been hiding that from some people who knew him well. Yeah. We don't really yeah. know how, there are some reports that I, and I mentioned this earlier, that there are some reports that family members did say they knew he had this addiction. But it was kept very, very quiet. So I don't know if that's a Monday morning quarterback kind of response or if people really knew was there any type of intervention? Had people tried to help Prince before, or was this kind of really coming out of left field just in the last five days? Uh-huh. 
Well, certainly you would think from the time that he had to have this emergency stop. I mean, aren't there, I think there are some reports that may, I don't know how much they, they know or just are speculating, but that that stop was for an overdose of pain medication. Yeah, yeah that is what the reports are saying. So that, that's definitely, but I wonder if was that the first time? Mm-hmm. Were there other times in the home? Did other private doctors visit him either on tour or in his house in Minnesota? We, there are piles of medical records that need to be reviewed here to see exactly who touched this patient. Yes, yes. And, of course, that adds to the problem. I mean, typically people who are taking pain pills and want to take more than their particular doctor is prescribing, of course, go, they typically go to more than one doctor in order to, and don't tell right. them about the other doctors. Or, so go, typically, or go, well, go, go completely black market. We don't even know at this point what, in fact, was prescribed. We don't know if these drugs were illegally obtained, mm-hmm. whether they were false prescriptions, whether there was a real prescription at some point. We have no idea. But, but again, a person with celebrity status and the money has more access. And that's not to say that there is no one who is not of Prince's socioeconomic status that doesn't have an opioid addiction. We know, and we know they do, but it's, it's kind of easier to, to hide. You know, not unlike Michael Jackson. Yes, um, of course, yes, Michael Jackson went for years um, uh, over taking, uh, being addicted to various medications. And, of course, yes. unfortunately, uh, I mean, there was, there was one doctor who was there, I mean, who got, on the night of his death, of, of Michael Jackson's death, it was clear that he was the one responsible at that time. Yes. Although, although you know, do other doctors, what about all the doctors before that night who contributed to his mm-hmm. uh, pain pill addiction and other medication right. addiction? You know, why? Yeah, there's definitely, yeah. mm-hmm. there's definitely mean, a parallel we see between Michael Jackson and Prince, you know, just even because of the industry they were in, the kind of eccentric, extremely talented uh, kind of entertainer. So we, we want to see these parallels between the two, and, and certainly they are there. But Michael Jackson, let's not forget, this Dr. Conrad Murray was convicted of involuntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. It is not an easy conviction to get. Um, beyond a reasonable doubt, it's not a civil case, not a wrongful death case. And the wrongful death case um, kind of was handled in a totally different way, a much more complex case that the family, in fact, lost. Um, but Conrad Murray, there was a really a clear connection between his treatment uh, and actions as it related to Michael Jackson. Well, right now, you know, anything could happen in this situation with Prince. We have no hard and fast information at all, really nothing. Um, yes. You know, that, that is interesting. It's true that his family didn't win the wrongful death suit, which seems so strange considering that uh, Dr. Conrad Murray was convicted in the criminal case. You would think that that would yeah. make it more of a slam dunk. Why, what do you think was the reason why they didn't win? Well, you are very up on the law because you are correct. Generally, when you win a criminal case, the civil case is much easier to win because the burden of proof is, is much different. It's much lower in a civil case. Right. And, you know, we all know the term beyond a reasonable doubt. That is a very high standard of proof. That means you really, really, really got to be convinced in, in layman's terms. In, in civil cases, depending on where you are, it's, it, there's different standards of proof. It's not as high. And so one would think you get the criminal conviction, the civil conviction follows. But 
what the Jackson family did was they did not, in, in the case that's really publicized, it's not that they sued Conrad Murray for wrongful death and medical malpractice. What they did was a very complex piece of litigation, which is they sued the promoter of his tour. Yes, that's right. For hiring and for supervising Conrad Murray, for negligent hiring, negligent retention, negligent supervision, saying, you didn't pay attention to what was going on here. You were in charge of Dr. Murray. You told him what to do, and you ultimately are responsible. And the jury did not agree with that. Yes. And, you know, that's interesting because, I mean, I guess they didn't sue um, Dr. Murray because he didn't have as deep (laughs) pockets. Exactly. Exactly. uh, as the company, and it, it right. did seem like and a bit was, of a stretch. And he was his license, so those pockets weren't coming back anytime. Yes. Well, we need to take another break. Um, we're talking about Prince, his sad, untimely death, and who's to blame. My guest is Jill Cohn. She is a Washington, D.C. attorney, uh, particularly specializing in personal injury and medical malpractice, and that's what this would be, a wrongful death case. Uh, in terms of medical malpractice. So stay tuned for more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about Prince, Prince's death, willful or wrongful. And if it's wrongful, who to blame? My guest is attorney Jill Cohn. She is... Um, the co-founder of, uh, co-founding partner of Cone and Cone, and um, specializing in personal injury and medical malpractice. So, um, you, during the break, you were starting to tell me I didn't. This is an, uh, an interesting, was well, a fun fact. I guess this isn't so much fun, but it's a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not so funny what we're talking about, but it's a fun fact about um, about Prince and Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know, it's maybe a little sad foreshadowing of life, but um, several years ago, when the witness list was being um, presented and developed, in Michael Jackson's family's case, 
against AEG, the promoter, the civil case, not the criminal case, the prince was actually one of the names on the witness list. He was going, allegedly, they were hoping to try to get him to testify on behalf of the estate based on the fact that he, Prince, allegedly had a bad relationship as well with AEG, the promoter. Mm. He mm. did not ultimately um, testify. But I just think, just given the parallels between these two men, their two deaths, and their lives, it's just something just very eerie and foreboding about that, and, 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 and interesting, I think. Yes, that is interesting. And he didn't testify because he didn't want to, or because there wasn't time, or... You know, um, we don't have information after that. I think there were allegedly over 100 witnesses on that list, and I don't mm. think any court would probably allow that. <laughs> so mm, maybe they have mm. to be a little more choosy about who they would call. Prince and Michael Jackson never worked together. They didn't know each other, maybe just, you know, at industry events saying hello, but they were not personal friends. They had not recorded anything together. So maybe in the end, they, the lawyer questioned how um, effective or persuasive Prince's testimony uh-huh. would have been ultimately anyway. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But that... Yes, that is uh, that is interesting. Um, what else? Um, what was the other? There was something else that you wanted to say about. Um, yeah, you know, I wanted to share a little bit about, um, and I think your listeners will really enjoy hearing this because there there is a lot of information out there about medical malpractice cases, how people get rich off of them, how um, the headlines really tout the really really big ones. The reality is, in 33 out of our 50 states, there are caps on the amount of damages that can even be awarded in a malpractice case, and they vary uh, wildly across the states, and and I actually don't know, obviously, all 50. But what I do know is that Minnesota is not one of the states with a cap, which is one of the 17 states that doesn't have a cap, which means that if there is a wrongful death case based on medical malpractice in the civil arena, if the family does prevail the damages could go as high as the jury wants to dissect the net. So whatever the jury returns will not be reduced to a cap of $250,000, as some states have, but is, you know, so to speak, the sky's the limit. And with the earning potential that Prince had, um, his value to his family, what he did for them, and just his lost income, the grief, all of that, I, I mean, I can't even, at this point, hazard to guess what a jury would come back with and what Minnesota, Minnesota courts would uphold because they don't have a cap. Yes, and, you know, that's really, um, in California, it's 250000 And mm-hmm. um, yes. it's really unfortunate. I mean, you know, of course, in some ways, I mean, doctors are happy that um, there's a cap because otherwise malpractice insurance would even be more outrageous than it already is. But on the other hand, um, as an expert witness, I come across people who have who have um, malpractice cases, and of course sometimes wrongful death cases, who aren't as famous or, or aren't as big earners as Prince, and they have a hard time finding attorneys to take their case because by the time the attorney puts all the um, uh, the pays for all the experts and, you know, all the different things that you need to go to trial um, unless they get those costs added on, which isn't a guarantee, um, they don't make, <laughs> they don't make a, as much money as they would like. And so sometimes cases are rejected and people who have real malpractice cases can't find an attorney to take it. 
You are 100% correct, and I'd love another hour with you to talk about why I'm against caps. <laughs> and it's uh-huh. not just because I'm a medical malpractice lawyer. It's exactly what you said. It is exactly what you said. Imagine the working mother who has a misdiagnosis of breast cancer, dies, leaving three kids, no longer can work. The family has medical bills in excess of $250,000, and mm-hmm. they cannot find a lawyer to take that case. Because why would a lawyer take that case? Lawyers, we aren't doing this just, just because we care about people. Do we care about people? Yes, most do. But we also have to get paid. And, mm-hmm. and out of that, $250,000, the family's not getting anything, the lawyer's not getting anything, and we can't even hire expert witnesses to testify to a standard of care. So mm-hmm. that, is, that is, is so insightful of you to kind of really hone in on the sad part of the cap. Because what the world wants to hear is, how litigious we are, how bad it is to look for money when a wrong has been done to you. But when, mm-hmm. when you see the kinds of cases that you and I have seen, families decimated by negligent acts that could have been prevented, mothers lost, fathers lost, children lost, and then to get no money to pay bills, to, to send kids to college, to pay a mortgage, it, it, is, it is devastating. It is devastating. And so... Um, lucky for the people of Minnesota, they do not have to face that, but very sad, as you mentioned, for the people of California. And, and, it, is, and, it, is, and it is low in California. You are right. Um, you know, another thing that's, that uh, medical kind of thing that's been coming up with um, Prince is all of a sudden there are all these people coming out of the woodwork who are claiming to be his, <laughs> his children. His heirs, yes. Yes, we were waiting for that. We know Prince was not married. We know Prince uh, did not have a significant other. We, no one thought he had children. But yes, apparently now people are coming out of the woodworks claiming to be Prince's heirs. Um, and that is because they want a piece of that estate. He died intestate. It's unfathomably to me that a man of his wealth uh, would not leave a will. But yes, yes. This is going to... Um, I, you know, and I had heard someone, an attorney, talking about that before, like right when he died, before um, the sister, his sister said that there was no will, uh, and apparently mm-hmm. no one has come up with a will to date, but um, right. they, this attorney was saying that, of course, you know, the prince was always, throughout his business practices, he was always very careful legally in terms of contracts and, and so on, and that he would definitely have a will. And then it turns out that nobody can find a will. What do you make of that? Do you think somebody, yeah. is, like the sister is hi- or somebody, is hiding it? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think someone's hiding, but it, it, it is interesting to note that he was highly aware of, of uh, legal relationships and contractual relationships. As you might recall, for a bunch of years, Prince had a symbol. He was the, it was a symbol, the artist formerly known as Prince, and right. that was because of a contractual dispute that he was having. And so he knew what was going on legally. He was not kind of one of these artists who laid back and let everyone do everything for him. So the fact that there is no will is very, very interesting. What was that choice about? Was he contemplating one? Had he drafted one? I, I do not believe the sister is hiding one. I do not believe that. Um, it is highly odd, however, that a man of his wealth and his intelligence, quite frankly, would die with that one. Yes, so but, I mean, excuse me, and, live with that one. And and I think I mean he had to know that he was at risk um, 
I mean, I don't, it's hard to believe that he would think, I mean, okay, he was 57 when he died. And, oh, and today, by the way, Minneapolis is calling today Prince Day um, hmm. to, it would have been his 58th birthday today. Oh, um, oh I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, so, you know, I mean, that's not old, but at the same time, he knew he wasn't in the best of health. We knew he was using all these um, painkillers, even if it was legitimate, like maybe he didn't think he was an addict, and maybe he wasn't an addict, right. but, but um, although, <laughs> well, um, but, so, so he, he wasn't in perfect health. You would think someone who did think things out, uh, as well as he seemed to, at least at times, that he would have had a will. He would have, uh, I mean, in, the, in other words, I don't think he thought he was going to live forever, so why didn't he? Right. Very curious. And you know, we all know we're not going to live forever. I think when you're in your 20s, maybe early 30s, if you don't have children, you can kind of still excuse not having a will. But I think at a certain point, we all realize death is sooner than, than not. And, and that we want to protect whoever we want to protect, whether that's a university, uh, a municipality, uh, maybe he wanted to start a school, maybe he, he would want to have protected this money he worked so hard for. Maybe he wanted to go to all of his siblings, maybe he wanted to go a certain way to certain siblings. But to have just left it with absolutely no rules, no even writing on a napkin, yeah. nothing, it is very curious given who he was. So yeah, I, I, I think this whole thing, the next, next few months, we are still going to be talking about this. <laughs> well, I, I think maybe I, I have probably more of a cynical view. I do think somebody is hiding it. <laughs> maybe it's one of these doctors that we were talking about who doesn't want to come out, like, right away and say, that he, he, Oh, my goodness. I certainly hope that is not the twist this case takes. <laughs> I hope. I think that would be like a Hollywood movie or something. <laughs> yeah, there's already enough going on here, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's something else. <laughs> well, we only have um, a few minutes left. What, what would you like? Um, what else would you like to say? I mean, perhaps some advice for people who <laughs> like to make a will or, uh, yes, or people. I would in- definitely like to say anyone make a will. Yes, I, I do. I'm not even <laughs> in that business, but I would definitely encourage everyone to, to have a will. Whether you have substantial uh, finances, homes, whatnot, uh, you know, don't forget all his, the, the value, the licensing, the trademark, his, his the intellectual property. It, it, it is almost unfathomable the value. He was one of the most prolific artists. So this is just, it's just, just shocking to me. So yes, I would encourage everyone. Okay. To, um, and what about for people, how they can decide whether it's a state with or without a cap, how they can decide or find an attorney if they think that they have a medical malpractice case? Well, certainly, even if there is a cap in the state in which you live, I encourage you, if you think that wrong has been done to you, if you think there has been negligence, if you're not comfortable with something that doctor has done, go talk to a lawyer. The lawyer will be able to advise you. The lawyer will be able to speak with expert witnesses and give you that feedback. There are statute of limitations. There are times, mm. you know, a time deadline in which you can file a lawsuit. You know, I, 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 countless, I get countless calls from people. Ten years ago, XYZ happened to me. Well, I can't help them ten years ago. Yes, yes. I know. That, and people aren't, uh, aren't really conscious of that or aren't even aware of that. Well, I hear the and music again. question, Doc? Many, many people are afraid to question a doctor, and we just believe yes. what they say. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying be, 
be curious and, and, and second guess everything a doctor does. But if something is telling you something is wrong, then you have to listen to that and go and speak to somebody. Yes, absolutely. And just get somebody else's opinion. Most attorneys don't charge for this for the first consultation and just get right. an opinion. Well, Jill yes. Combe, thank you so much for uh, joining me on Dr. Carol's Couch. Um, very invaluable comments, interesting comments. And um, if you're in the states of uh, Washington, D.C., Maryland, or New York, you should call Jill, and especially if you, have a, uh, if you think that you have been harmed in some way um, by a doctor or you just have this feeling that, that they may have done something wrong or, or, or negligent. I mean, these days, um, that is really an increasing problem, quite frankly. Doctors are rushing through things and not giving people as much detailed attention as they once did. So, Jill, thank you so much. And um, now we're going to take another break, and we will be back talking more about Prince. Uh, So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We've been talking about Prince. Um, He unfortunately died on April 21st of this year. Um, and even though it is June 7th, which is his birthday, he actually would have been 28, 28, he actually would have been 58 today, um, and in fact, uh, they are having calling today Prince Day in Minnesota, um, it would have been his 58th birthday, and um, tragically he died in April, and even though it is weeks later, we are still talking about it, and as my guest Jill Cohn said um, a little earlier, we will probably still be talking about this for quite some time to come. And one of the reasons is because so much of the um, information about his death, and particularly about the treatment that he received before his death, um, has been still shrouded in mystery. There's an investigation going on, um, so... 
we, you know, we will presumably hear more, particularly if there are lawsuits that start, either uh, criminal lawsuits against these doctors or against the hospital that he was at, um, and, uh, and certainly civil lawsuits, wrongful death lawsuits as well. Uh, from by his family, by his the people who stand to inherit his estate. Um, just to to do a little bit of backstory, um, Prince was. If, I, I'm I'm wondering if I know a lot of people and probably uh, most of you heard, saw the movie. I just saw it recently. I, I think I saw it when it came out, but I didn't remember it as well. And I happened to see it recently. They they had it on television. Um, you know, after his death. And it was an amazing, amazing movie, not only because of his amazing music, but um, his story, um, to see where he came from, you know, how, how far he came. Um, he, he came from a, a home where there was a, were a, a lot of problems. I mean, the movie was, was pretty biographical. And he was born in Minneapolis, the son of Maddie Della um, and John Lewis Nelson, and um, his his father was trying to. His father was very troubled, a very troubled man, and he was um, he was a pianist and a songwriter. The father and his mother, Prince's mother, was a jazz singer. But his father had always wanted to be famous. He had always hoped that his um, that he would become actually what Prince became. And um, his father's stage name was Prince Rogers. And he uh, named Prince the, um, the, the singer the, who we call Prince, <laughs> um, Prince Rogers Nelson. I mean, he was, he named him after himself, and which has turned out to be rather ironic because as Prince... Um, did, in fact, um, outshine his father, become a much more famous musician than his father. Um, he, you know, it was, it was a double-edged sword. It was bittersweet for his father. He said, his father said, I named my son Prince because I wanted him to do everything I wanted to do. But then when, when Prince did start doing this, there was a lot of jealousy. And um, there was... Um, uh, there was um, uh, domestic violence in Prince's home uh, between his father and mother, and uh, there was they were his parents were divorced when he was around ten, and um, he wrote his first tune, Funk Machine, on his father's piano when he was seven, and then when he was ten, his parents separated, and he you know was shuffled between homes. Uh, sometimes living with his father, sometimes with his mother and his stepfather, and you know that's always when, <laughs> when things kind of tend to go downhill. When children, uh, of course, in the end, Prince did do an amazing amount of composing and writing and singing, and you know it's hard to imagine him as having done any more than he ultimately did. Um, but he did come from difficult beginnings. His home was. Um, there was violence in his home, and it was difficult. And, of course, that may well some children, um, although, of course, that's very difficult. And, and one could even say that this could have contributed to his um, ultimately being vulnerable to um, taking more pain pills for his 
for his actual pain, for his legitimate pain, than he might have done had he had a more um, oh, wholesome childhood. But in any case, he did very well for himself. And sometimes, um, like with Oprah, she was raped when she was young. And, you know, sometimes it makes children or teenagers um, even that much more determined to turn their life into something positive. And um, obviously, Prince did this. If you haven't seen the movie Purple Rain, I really would um, encourage you to see it because it's it's very powerful. Uh, we've been talking t- t- on the show earlier about the different doctors who uh, you know who had something mysterious to do with um, Prince's health. The sad part to me, and I want to, I really want to um, emphasize this because you know before. In order to become a psychiatrist, um, you have to go to medical school and you have to do um, some uh, stages, some uh, training in not just into psychiatry, although um, these days in some programs you can go just straight from medical school into psychiatry, but I didn't. (laughs) And I went through um, lots of years, or not lots of years, but years, (laughs) an internship in straight medicine. Before that, a sub-internship for a year and a half in uh, medicine and surgery and pediatrics and OBGYN. And so I had a chance, besides being in psychiatry, I had a chance to see people who would come into the hospital for various medical reasons um, and who would be told that they needed to stay, not necessarily who were addicted to any pain pills or any other kind of medication, but um, for whatever reason, you know, they wanted to get home to their family, they were more comfortable at home than in the hospital, um, they were, you know, the hospital isn't, it's not like the, the Hilton, <laughs> um, you know, they wanted to to be more private, to, you know, have uh, time on their own, whatever their reasons that they would leave the hospital, um, a lot of times also is because they were in denial. They didn't want to be told that they had something more serious that needed to be treated. So there are a whole bunch of different reasons. But the bottom line to all these things is that if you find yourself in a hospital for whatever reason um, and a doctor is telling you that, that he wants you to stay longer, that you need to stay there longer, please do not um, decide for some other reason that you don't need to be there longer. Because as I was saying earlier, these days, because of money, <laughs> hospitals try to get rid of people is too, way too early, in my opinion, way, way too early. And so if a hospital is telling you that you should stay there longer, that absolutely means that you should. So we can learn some of these, some of these lessons from Prince. Uh, I think that if he had stayed in the hospital instead of leaving uh, against medical advice, um, he wouldn't. Have, I don't think he would have died. At least not during this. Not now. Not during this time period. Not only because would he have gotten over this immediate issue, these immediate problems, uh, gotten on some kind of better pain management plan. Um, but he would have been able to extend his life in general, you know, with a better treatment program um, lined up rather than all of these things happening with last-minute emergencies, you know, and doctors not being able to fly from California to Minneapolis and so on. So um, that's certainly one lesson that can be learned from the tragic death of Prince. So thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I hope you don't end up in a hospital. 
<laughs> and doctors tell you not to leave. I hope you all stay healthy for a long time to come. But just in case, or, or even a friend or a relative or loved one, if this happens to anybody you know, please, please be there and tell them how it's so important for them to listen to the medical staff and not to leave if that's what they're telling them to do. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 